Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Seth Peabody. Seth is a CPA. He's the managing partner at ITXRE in Roswell, Georgia. The firm's mission is to help clients reach their financial goals by providing high-value services in a proactive environment, assisting businesses and individuals with annual income tax planning. Welcome to the show, Seth. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. Well, you and I are good friends. We've known each other for quite a while, so we know a lot about you, probably more than most people do. And so you say your your firm's mission is to help clients reach their financial goals in a proactive environment. With that being said, tell me what your opinion is on the accounting industry. That they're opposite of proactive. They're, you know, reactionary. You know, when something hits the fan, that's when they react rather than stopping it from hitting the fan. What name do you call most CPAs? Bean counters or what? Uh, History reporters. That's right. History reporters. That's what we do. I mean, during the year, you do what you do. You make your income, you have your deductions and expenses, and you give that to your CPA the following year. And so all they're doing is reporting prior year. But what we do is we get in and change the history during the year so you don't have to pay as much in income tax. Yeah. So obviously we have a lot of mutual clients and um, I, I've seen what you do in real time. And so talk a little bit more specifically about the tax planning you do and the tax planning that high income earners who will be listening to this should be should be doing. So a lot of people think tax planning is just telling you what your tax is. That, you know, that is part of what we do, but we use various strategies depending on who you are and uh, what available savings that you can reinvest to reduce tax. And just, uh, you know, are you selling your business? Where you are, where are you in your career? We take all that information, we build out a tax model, and then we start adding tax strategies to reduce that income. Or just we set up a plan to pay the income tax. Just so you know, rather than showing up on April 15th of the following year and you get a $50,000 or $100,000 tax bill, wouldn't you like to know that back in July of the previous year or August so you could save for it? Right. You and I have a mutual friend who several years ago got a call from a CPA and told them he owed over $300,000 the next day. That wasn't a fun conversation. Uh, He has since become an avid tax planner and does not pay a lot of tax legally now. And so in your opinion, would it be fair to say, and and let's assume that the person who listens to this makes an average income of 500K and above and owns their own dental practice. Let's just assume that's who is listening here. Would you? Would it be your opinion that they're they are likely paying more tax than they have to be? Yes, yes. So there's a sliding scale that I like to refer to, where you have the maximum at one end and a minimum at the other. 
And that's what tax planning does. It gets you to that minimum. So most of our clients are in a federal 37% tax bracket. Typically, we can get them down to at least 35, but I would say probably 75, 80% of our clients, we can get them back down to a 24% tax bracket. Yeah, and just for all the IRS agents listening, this is by doing legal strategies that the tax code allows, correct? Correct, correct, which a lot of people haven't heard of because they just, a lot of CPAs don't go and do the investigation and the due diligence to find strategies to uh, reduce tax. They use, you know, your traditional strategies. Oh, fully fund your retirement plan. Well, that may not be a good idea because what's the tax rate going to be retire? Right now, it's the lowest it's been historically uh, in 50 years, 100 years, I don't know, forever. And so maybe not fully funding your retirement plan and, and putting it into savings and paying the tax now rather than paying the tax later may make sense. It just depends. Everybody's different. So you, that's why you got to put it on paper. Yeah, you and I are in agreement. And our perspective is that we are likely in the lowest tax brackets we're going to see in this lifetime. And... Uh, we have the lowest tax bracket since, you know, 1980, 82. And so that's a lot of people don't understand how qualified plans work in that, you know, how the money is taxed when you take it out. So in my experience, a lot of CPAs, they're worried about reducing the tax that they have to tell you that you owe. And that's about the extent of the tax planning. Is, is that a fair statement? Yeah, they're just telling you what you owe in terms of taxes. They're not actually putting any strategies in place to reduce tax. And when I say strategies, I'm not talking about your traditional strategies of, you know, fully funding retirement plans or putting money, you know, fully funding your HSA or your 529. We're doing other strategies that are all over the tax code. Just a lot of people just don't know about. Yeah, you and I like to say the highest rate of return is a dollar that you can recapture from the IRS. And so if you can reduce someone's taxes by a few percentage points, that is an incredible rate of return on, on one's money. Now, I know you do tax planning. So if someone's your client and typically you have an April 15th tax uh, deadline, they file their taxes and they get done on April 15th, they don't extend. When are you having tax planning meetings with these clients and how often? Typically, we have them twice a year for most clients. So we wait till about July to look look at taxes. Uh, we run a tax model, take your financial statements from your business, your practice, take your pay stubs, figure out, you know, kind of what your investment income is going to be uh, and build out a tax return. And then we come up with various different scenarios on how to reduce that tax. And then we meet. I go over, get a game plan for, uh, you know, the summer months, either execute whatever we were talking about and plan for or wait till the fall. And then October, November, December is when we meet again about the tax planning, the tax model to see what happened based on what we talked about in the summer. If there's any changes we need to make or just complete the plan and execute it and update you on how much tax you owe. So we're not waiting until April 14th to call somebody and tell them they owe the IRS a large sum of money. You know, going well into tax day, what you owe, you've planned for it, and it's likely less than you would have owed had you done it at HR Block. Right. Well, much, much likely. I mean, we've 
just if you took all our clients, which we don't do tax planning for all our clients because some of them are retirees and they don't really need any tax planning. But if you took the savings that we provided to clients divided by the number of clients, we're somewhere around 20 grand on it on per client. And obviously there's probably 100, 150 out of, I don't know, 500, 550 clients that we don't do any savings for. So you imagine, you know, most dentists, you referred to dentists earlier, we're saving them north of 100 grand a year. So that's six figures that you don't have to give to Uncle Sam that you can put back into your practice or reinvest into other uh, stock market or other, you know, investments. Yeah, that's exciting. I think if anyone got a $100,000 raise, that would be pretty awesome. So tell me, how did you end up becoming a tax planning CPA and not just a regular, as we're calling them, history reporter CPA? What makes you, what makes you or what made you become different? Working with prior past partners at one of the larger firms here in Georgia, and then I left there to go work at a startup and the started they had grown it. Uh, I got to work with and hated CPAs and wanted to develop a uh, a plan, a process, procedures for planning for businesses so they know what their tax is. You know, in the middle of the year, they can start saving for their tax for when they're in April and they know what it is. You know, a funny thing is we go against the grain and we tell a lot of clients not to pay estimated tax payments, but they know what their tax is because the penalties associated with it is what I call cost. And those opportunity costs, uh, you can't, you know, if you pay the IRS estimated tax payments, you can't get those dollars back during the year to go reinvest somewhere else. So a dentist who owns their own practice is a business owner. Would it be fair to say that really the tax code is actually built for business owners? Well, I guess. I don't know. I never really put it that way. Well, it's, it's, built, well, it's built to maximize. So the way I look at it, it's built to maximize the IRS's revenue. So I like to say that the, a W-2 employee is the worst way to get paid. And what I mean by that is you are truly limited by your deductions. You've got your property tax, your mortgage interest, some charitable donations. Uh, there's a couple other small things in there. But it's really come comes down to those main things. Whereas a business owner, it's a little bit different. So talk a little bit about the differences from a tax standpoint for a business owner versus a W-2 employee. You know, the business owner is deducting uh, what most people would call unreimbursed business expenses, right? So if you're an employee, your W-2 employee, you have some business expenses that don't get reimbursed um, and you can't deduct them. Well, as a business owner, you know, you're reimbursing yourself for all sorts of expenses. I mean, you're running a lot of different expenses through meals, entertainment, travel, auto expenses, things like that. Trips, some trips you get the write off. So there's certain things they can write off that most W-2 employees cannot. You know, W-2 employees to me are kind of handcuffed in what they can do and not do in terms of reducing their tax. And this is why Warren Puffett says his secretary pays more tax than he does, which she doesn't pay more tax. She just pays pays a higher rate because right. he's only getting paid on capital. He's only paying capital gains rates. So what I see with a lot of people is there's a lot of people who just don't understand how the tax system works. Um, even if they're a W-2 employee, and it's somewhat simple from, well, it's not simple. <laughs> You're, you can talk about your paper mache example here in a minute, but what percentage of people do you feel do you under, do you think 
really don't have a great grasp of how our tax system works. I mean, it's confusing. You brought up the paper mache comment. So the IRS never like fully revamps our tax code. They, when something comes up and people are taking advantage of it, they just change that specific part. So like a good thing right now is Bitcoin. How are they going to, you know, currently they, they tax Bitcoin at capital gain rates, but there's the majority of people are not paying cap tax on their Bitcoin trading and sales. So the IRS, well, and as you said, the IRS is going to come well, up as you say that, to knock it out. Well, as you say that, I, I've seen how they've added something about, did you buy, own, or sell virtual currency on the page one of the 1040? And right. I've seen how the S or the IRS or SEC is suing these cryptocurrency exchanges to share information because, you know, the run up in the last, you know, year has been exponential to say the least. So there's a lot of uh, people who've done very, very well on that. And the IRS obviously wants a piece of their pie. So you work with a lot of dentists. Uh, that's not who you exclusively work with. You work with business owners and dentists and high income professionals. But what are some of the biggest things that you see that dentists could do most aren't doing before they come see you that they should do? Uh, real, I mean, 100% real tax planning, as opposed to just taking your your vouchers that the CPA gave you, which is calculations from prior year's tax. It's not current year's tax. So if you're growing, you paid your estimated taxes each quarter, you think you've paid in all that you paid in because your CPA gave you these tax forms. And then you wind up in April owing, you know, a hundred thousand because your practice grew uh, and you were generating more income. Yeah. I mean, most people don't know estimated tax payments are a calculation of last year's tax, not this year's tax. So you got to know what this year's tax is and then plan against it. I mean, the majority of them that come do not do real tax planning. Yeah. It's, it's really unique. So, um, I frankly have, I don't think I've ever met another CPA who does tax planning like you do. So I, I think you're somewhat of a unicorn. Do you know CPAs that do what you do? And if you do, what percentage of CPAs do do what you do? Because in some respects, they should all be doing what you do because the 1040 has, been, has become commoditized. You know, H&R Block, you know, um, there's a dozen other ones just like it. So if you're just going to turn your taxes into your CPA and charge you four or 500 bucks, I mean, he's, he's really not providing, I guess, value, much value there. And I guess kind of along these same lines, is it's like, I guess one of the reasons I guess CPAs don't do what you do is because most of them don't have a lot of high income clients. They most have probably middle income clients. And and they're mostly W-2. So they don't have to go learn this stuff because re you're really limited in what you can do. So I guess the question is, how many of how many Seth Peabody's are out there and, and what percentage of the of the CPA industry are they? Very few. And when I find them, I keep very close contact with them um, and try to share ideas with them. I mean, I mean, be honest with you, just CPAs in general. I think I know like four that I would go grab a beer with. Uh, and I went. <laughs> I went to school with a bunch of them and, and, you know, this is year number 20. So I've known a few CPAs. Um, they're just not by nature proactive and they, they think what they're doing is enough, but what client is a consultant, an advisor, 
you know, to teach them how to mitigate and minimize income tax. Well, in my experience, the CPA is the most trusted advisor. And I hear that. I hear that a lot. But for some reason, it seems like we're the they say we're trusted advisors, but we're the last to know. (laughs) They're always asking you to bless something or or, or not bless it. And so so but like as the quote trusted advisors I'm saying here, what other advisors should a dentist have besides a tax planning CPA? I mean, you need a financial advisor. You need, uh, you know, I think an insurance consultant would be good. You really need a team and all those team people on your team need to know each other. Right. Yeah, that's a big deal. There tends to be a lot of lack of coordination when, you know, person A doesn't know person B, person A doesn't, person B doesn't know person C. And there's, a, there's not a lot, a lot of cord, coordination going on. Um, Changing gears here, tell me about what's your opinion on buying equipment? So a lot of people like to buy equipment for the deduction, and I'm not a fan of spending a dollar to save 37 cents, but, uh, and they're always being kind of uh, pushed and promoted to to buy equipment from from different things. What's your take on buying equipment for dental practice? Buy the equipment if you need the equipment. Is it going to increase production? Uh, is it going to increase collections? Is it going to reduce expenses? Is it going to give you more time? If that makes sense, and yes, buy it. But here's everybody goes, well, I'm going to buy equipment to reduce my taxes. Well, if you spend, if you bought a hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment, you're spending a hundred thousand. You're only actually reducing your tax somewhere around forty grand. So you lost sixty grand of cash flow. So how are you going to make that 60 grand of cash flow up? Well, if that piece of machinery doesn't do what it needs to do for you, then you just basically just lit money on fire. You might as well just give a hundred grand to some charity instead of just buying equipment. You get the same deduction. So do you see a lot of mistakes with buying equipment? Not mistakes, but you know, I, I a lot of clients have commented to me is like my CPA, you know, we get together in December and they tell me to go out and buy a bunch of equipment in a car and this, that, and the other. Well, that's great and all, but what did that really do in the grand scheme of everything? What did that do to your net worth? You know? Right. So a lot of people when you look at, right. When you look at dentists and you see them in general, one or two things that they all are doing or that a majority are doing that they need to stop doing now. And what's one or two things that they should start doing now? Uh, it's kind of the same question. Uh, mm-hmm. Real tax plan, knowing what your tax actually is, not what the refund is or what you paid, because a lot of times they're different. Knowing what your tax is and then figuring out how to reduce that tax. Don't think about purchases. Think about spending money. You know, Just because you spend a dollar, a dollar of deduction is not a, a dollar of reduction of tax. It's a percentage of that because it's a deduction. It's an expense. So they think. So stop right. So stop right there. A lot of people know the difference between a deduction and a credit. Right. Right. So a deduction is taken from the top, and then you calculate your tax. So basically, a dollar reduces your income. Well, that dollar is then multiplied by the tax rate. A credit is a dollar for dollar reduction of tax. A deduction is a percentage of reduction of tax. Got it. So they need a tax plan. That's something they're not doing. They should be doing. 
And what are they doing they need to stop doing besides not tax planning? I think uh, fully funding their retirement plans. You know, I, you know, a lot of people are trying to sell the DB plans, defined benefit plans and all this and sucking all this money away, but they're not looking down the road. They're only looking at now, right? They're not looking at later what when tax rates are. So, I, you know, if you're investing a dollar in your retirement plan or spending a dollar, you need to figure out what that really, that dollar is really doing. It's not, you know, it's not doing like they think a lot of people, Think you know you put in nineteen five into your four hundred one k your tax goes down nineteen five. That's not it's not true. It's not how it works. It's a deduction. Um, so actually knowing where their dollars are going is I think pretty important. In your experience, are dentists typically good at managing cash flow? For example, if they have a well run business. Is that and are they able to make good income on that? Are they good at managing that cash flow, or do they, or do they typically need help? They typically need help. I mean, most of my clients are pretty, uh, you know, they're going gangbusters on their practices. Practices are growing like crazy, and we talk about cash flow. So, I mean, that we do we're doing cash flow management and talking about you know where they're spending the dollars. Majority of them, I don't know that they know. They make cash, right? They're like an, a dental practice, like an ATM, right? Everybody on the planet pretty much has teeth or needs teeth. So it just prints money. And you need to know where that cash flow is going. You may feel good about it. Hey, I got tons of cash flow, but I bet you you got holes in your cash flow plan that it's, you know, siphoning out pretty quick in areas that you could protect. Taxes be one of them. Yeah. So what is the, what is the phrase financial health mean to you? Financial health, being able to save and meet your net worth goals that you have set up for by the time you retire. Uh, if you're unhealthy, in my opinion, financially unhealthy, you know, you're living paycheck to paycheck, you've levered everything, you're living high on the hog, but you may have just as much debt as you have income. Yeah, expenses rising in income. So that happens. Uh, unfortunately, that, that happened. So you're in the business of giving advice. You you give advice every day. What's the best advice you've ever received? Other than working with the startup company and just talking, building out a tax plan, it, you know, how to proactively look at things, especially when it comes to taxes and don't just, you know, wait for the information, go, go to the information and get it and decipher it. And don't just wait to the end of the year to to uh, do a tax plan when you got the whole year. Yeah, that's, that's, really, that's really important right there. So this is a podcast for dentists. Um, what advice would you give to a, someone fresh out of dental school, hitting the real world tomorrow? So uh, they're probably getting paid on a W-2, right? Very potentially, probably, probably an associate somewhere probably an right associate now. associate, getting high, high W-2. Uh, figure out what your tax is, understand your tax, you know. It's easy. We work with a lot of associates as well, um, just to start educating them and get because eventually a lot of them want to own their own practices. We start educating them about taxes and business. So, so that's. I mean, it all comes back to really cash flow. How much can you save? And if you can save uh, save taxes, that's more money in your pocket to do things, whether it's to to fund your fund your startup practice, to put it somewhere that it's going to grow. It's. I mean. It just, 
I've kind of asked you the same question five, six times over, and you give me the same answer five, six times over. It's just all about doing tax planning and saving money on taxes. Well, if, you, if you do it the right way. <laughs> one thing I look at is net worth, cash flow, income, taxes. So net worth is the driver of how valuable you are, right? That's how you measure your assets, your net worth, right? And that's the main driver. The next thing, cash flow, because it may not be income, it may be cash coming in, cash going out, it may not be income or deductions. Then you look at your actual income. Um, and what I mean by that is if you you invested in something and it was sending you distributions, you may not be paying tax on that those distributions. And then you look at the income and then a function of uh, taxes is all that stuff above. So those are the main drivers. To me, it's about growing your net worth. If you're growing your net worth, then you're going to have problems with cash flow and income and taxes. Right. You know, it's funny. I had, uh, I had one client several years ago and he said to me, um, he was complaining about taxes. And I said to him, I said, well, a tax problem is a good problem to have. And he said to me, uh, you sound like my CPA. I said, if you can't appreciate a tax problem, you've never been broke before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having tax so, problems, uh, being broke. Yes. And so obviously having a tax problem is, is all more reason to tax planning. So last question here. I asked this to all, to all my guests. Uh, I don't know if you're a reader or not, but what's the best book you've ever read or the best book you've recently read? Uh, the best book I've ever read. I don't read much. I think the last book I finished was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> so that might be like the Great Gatsby or something that was like required right. reading in like ninth or tenth grade literature. Right. So but, well, that's all right. Uh, I go to the source. I find out what you know. If I find something, I don't go and spend a lot of time reading it. I go to the source to find the real world application because I could sit and read a book. To me, that's theory. I want to go figure out how it really works. What are the case scenarios, case studies? It, you know, what situations does this particular asset or investment or tax strategy apply in my life? So that's why I don't. I just track them down on the internet and call them up. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, well, Seth, I really appreciate your time today. It's been a pleasure having a conversation with you. Thanks. Thanks for the time. And uh, anytime somebody wants to hear about taxes, I'm willing to bump my gums and tell them about it. Yeah, you might, you might know a guy who could help out with some taxes. So you've been listening to Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannon. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannon, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. 
North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. Arkansas Insurance License Number 161390032. 2021 1195.35. X 423. That last part can also say 2021 119535. Expiration April 2023. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities LLC, PAS. OSJ 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida 32311, 850 562 9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 1613032, California Insurance License Number 0L10073. 2021-122-375. Expiration June 2023. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>